We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's happening, Packer fans? Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack a Day podcast, along with the Acme Packing Company. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Of course, that other guy over there, that way, is the one and only Justice Mosqueda. You can follow him on Twitter or X J U M O S Q. The Packers have won three in a row. The Oregon Ducks, unfortunately, Justice, uh, for you, did not quite come through for you, but the Packers did, which is, uh, for me at least, far more important. But uh, more importantly, how the heck are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. I almost had forgotten about the uh, the Ducks loss. Thanks for the reminder. You're um, welcome. But yeah, Packers are doing great. Jordan Love looks like the guy. Let's do it. Let's go to the playoffs. Let's do it. Uh, now... I don't know. Like it feels like the hard part's over. And also the hard part is just beginning where like there was not a ton of expectations. There's a lot of, I I still think there's pressure, especially probably on the coaching staff, maybe more than anything going into this three game winning streak that they've had. I think that chargers game was a big one. They obviously get the win there and then things get rolling in the right direction. You go from a little bit of the, the hunter to the hunted at this point, you have a easy schedule the rest of the way you should have a fairly like gimme on your plate from the Carolina Panthers in a few weeks like that. It doesn't get much easier than that. We'll see what the Chicago bears bring. If they like lose a few in a row here, like they're probably ready to go home by that time, the last game of the season, it feels like they should have some there, but I don't know. Like now, now there's a little bit different pressure and I almost have a little bit more nerves than I have at any point this season. I feel the opposite. I'm like, we're playing with house money. There's no way. We end up losing three games in this five-game stretch. Like the teams that we're playing are just too bad of football teams. Um, Easiest strength of schedule moving forward. We're already in a position where we currently hold a playoff spot. Right, if the season ended today, the only thing I'm really worried about, and like worried is maybe not the term I would use because I don't really care about like making the playoffs would be nice and all that stuff and getting to play like the getting to play the role of the like frisky six or seven seed that just like doesn't care what happens, feels no pressure would be a fun role. But like the only team that I'm really worried about kicking green Bay out of the playoffs is the Rams who are kind of in the same position as the Packers where they're getting hot at the right time and all that stuff. And um, they actually, like if you look at the New York times uh, playoff machine, which is kind of what I'm using now, I used to use the five thirty eight one, but they don't do sports anymore apparently. So, Using the New York Times machine, the Rams actually have a higher percentage uh, chance to make the playoffs with the Seahawks, which would have seemed crazy a couple of weeks ago. But the Seahawks are just keep dropping games, even though you know a couple of them are close, and they they have a couple of tough teams ahead of them too. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to kind of keep an eye on. The nice thing there too is that Green Bay holds the tiebreaker with the Rams from the Brett Rippin yeah. victory from a few weeks ago, so that could come and in the, handy and as the well. Saints, which is the other thing, like. I, I wrote up um I wrote up like a uh, like a watch guide for like what to root for as a Packers fan on some, yep. for, for the Sunday games. And really what it came down to was, you know, obviously you're rooting against Seattle, right? Um you're gonna end up rooting against the Rams, which you know, Joe Flacco was an you know, an important player involved in all that playing with the uh the Cleveland Browns last week. And then you're rooting against another NFC South team to really get in the mix. You really only just yep. want one NFC South team 
in the playoffs. And um, if that second team ends up being the New Orleans Saints, the Packers have the head-to-head tiebreaker with them too, um, beyond just the Rams. So those things kind of end up working out. You get another opportunity to play the Vikings, even though they have the tiebreaker over you right now. Um, a lot of things aligning um, in a way that, you know, Green Bay Packers fans should start planning to watch football games in January. Seems crazy. Seems crazy to be saying that. Did not seem like that was going to be the case a few weeks ago. Like yep. you thought like maybe if they could steal one of these, like they could have a run the table five game streak against five bad teams at the end of the year to like maybe have an outside chance. But man, how things have changed in a very short period of time. Right, before we get to any more like playoff scenarios or things like that, let's kind of dissect this past game, which is obviously fresh of mind. Everyone's super excited about it and rightfully so. Floor is yours, Justice. What were your key takeaways from this game? I thought the game kind of played out how I sort of expected it to, honestly. You know, I, th- I thought this team was going to be a little bit more competitive with Kansas City than people assumed. I thought all the zone stuff was going to end up help helping take away Travis Kelsey, and I don't think the Chiefs had many other options in the passing game, at least, than Travis Kelsey. I know Rasheed Rice um, had something like 60 yards or something like that, so good good for him. He's a guy that's kind of like the Chiefs to Tavian Wicks, where every Chiefs fan is like, why isn't he on the field more? He should be our number one receiver, all that stuff. Um, but I kind of thought it, it went how we expected, right? Like, the shell coverages are going to help take away the big place for Kelsey. They were going to need to be a not a feast or famine type of offense, right? The Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think their tackles are very good. Um, it didn't matter who was in that left tackle, in my opinion. Um, three red zone sacks were really key for that defense, right? Plus the turnover. Um, I think, like, the Chiefs' offensive production really went the way that the Packers' pass rush production went, where it's, you know, hey, if you can get them on the ground, like, that's a drive killer. If not, they're going to be able to walk down the field. And that's kind of how it ended up playing out. And the Packers ended up winning that sort of – it felt like a shootout because there were so few possessions. But, like, if you look at the final score, right, like it's not like 45-40 to or anything like that. But I don't think either defense was doing a great job last night. No, neither defense was. And it, it like, wasn't a shootout in, like, the traditional sense, but it was a – had, like, the feel of, like, every possession was just massively important. Like right. it, it, like at all the times. Chiefs punted once. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it, it felt like that way for both teams. And it was it was really fun. It was like I don't want to say like a playoff level atmosphere, but almost you know it just had that kind of feel of like this is a big time game, prime time. Stakes were were high, certainly for Green Bay, and like potentially yeah. getting that big win, the signature win. It was Kansas a lot of fun City too. I mean, they're yeah, they right basically the lost the one seed in that yeah. game, right? So yeah, in the AFC. No, it was, it was so fun to watch. And I'm with you. Like I I thought like just the high leverage, you know, situations throughout the course of the game was such a great test for this team. They came through in the end. I talked about it yesterday of how, you know, really it's 21, 19 green Bay and they punt away. And then they finally hold the chiefs to their one punt on the day. And then they get a field goal, kick it better, you know, kick it back to them and they get their one turnover on the day. And then they get another field goal. It's eight points. And then they, they stop at the end uh, on the turnover and downs end of time, whatever we want to call it. I was just, I was impressed of how they rose to the situation and it just felt too like, I do think Andy and, and, you know, with Patrick as well, there's a little bit of like, if you can get a lead on them, Andy can get a little bit impatient at times. I've talked about in the past of how, like when it was Matt and Aaron, like if they went down, they would almost get on tilt a little bit and it would be like, they'd have to get it back on like this next play. And that would be immediate immediate shot play. It'd be like, all right, we're down by, we're down by four. We, we better score right now um, and it would there'd be no patience. And I feel like Andy and with Mahomes, they sometimes have that same thing where like if they're down, they get a little bit in pain. Now, to be fair, I thought they stuck with the run game pretty darn well. Pacheco ran well, but it still felt like it was advantage Green Bay, especially once they got that 14 to six lead. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, honestly, I think Green Bay outplayed them, you know? Yeah, I think so too. That's like. I know everyone wants to make it about those calls at the end of the game, but like I think Green Bay was the better team that day too. How how do you reconcile that in its entirety of like you have this team that should not be in that conversation of outplaying Detroit and Kansas City in back to back weeks? At least like I didn't think so. Never like, being down for one second. No, like, like unbelievably, and they outplayed both of those teams, two of the top. I've been like 
at worst, we're probably what eight teams in the league to the that six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Like that's super impressive. And I, I don't know how to like, they're, they're 500 they're They are what their record is at some point, but like, man, like you go back and you're like, if they could have just picked up a, a Falcon. So I think they needed to go through some of that adversity and like, just kind of go through some of the crap in order to get where they are right now. But this is a really, really interesting team that now I don't know where they like stack in the, the pecking order of things, but this Jordan love that we've seen through the past month and this Packers team for the past month is a totally different team than we saw earlier this season. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting looking back at the trade deadline as like a, just a snapshot of where the, the franchise was, right? Yeah. Two and five, trade deadline's happening. Your sellers, you get rid of Russell Douglas. General manager, Brian Gutekunst, says, you know, hey, we expect the offense to be better moving forward. And then since then, you're on an absolute tear. You win four of five. Jordan Love has uh, 11 passing touchdowns, two interceptions, one win against the Steelers on the end of game play. So, like, if you want to count that as a real interception or not, do with that whatever you, you may want to do. Um, but no quarterback in the NFL has gone from, you know, that poor of passing stats to that good of passing stats, you know, from the first half of the season, to the second half of the season, it's pretty staggering. The only, the only thing close is Joe Burrow, who is now out, you know, obviously like with the wrist injury and all that stuff. Um, and that was because he was playing through a calf injury at the start of the season. Right. So, um, I, I don't know if we even want to use that data point, right? Like right. The, the turnaround this offense has had is incredible. Um, looks nothing like it looked like the first month and a half or so of the season. Nope. I mean, it would be interesting looking back and going into some of those losses and thinking like, okay, the, here here are the plays that don't ha- repeat, right? Like they, they, they no longer would make this mistake or whatever because they yeah. were playing. I mean – Blown routes, all sorts of stuff, even on plays that, you know, ended up being a good result. They were talking about blown routes, right? Um, pass protection was shaky for a while, all sorts of stuff. And they don't seem to be making those mistakes anymore. And they seem to be pretty confident. I mean, if you watch any of those post-game locker room things that they end up sending out on Packers social media accounts or YouTube or whatever, um, they seem amped to have Jordan Love. And yeah. A pretty exciting thing, guys. I mean, to to know. Are we at the point where we know we have we have a third quarterback in a row? Um, that's pretty nice. That's a pretty nice world to be in. It's an interesting statement. I, I want to get more of your take on that because to me, he's the guy now. They have their next franchise guy. It would take something insane. Like it's it there's nothing, there's nothing that could happen the rest of the year, in my opinion that would change him from being the starter next year, obviously barring injury, but like right. to be the starter of next season, there's nothing that could change that. Um, like it's just, it's too high level of a play that you're not, you're never, it's going to be so hard to give up on that from here on out because you saw it in real life against real good defenses in a primetime situation in multiple weeks, back to back. Well, like with your you, back against the wall too. I mean, yeah. think about like they had like a 12% chance of making the playoffs or something like that. No one gave them a chance to win both of these games back to back, right? I mean, without, even, a, without a running game and without like we could go on and on, but like it is so crazy. Mind you, again, the cheapest offense in football. That's what you're and watching, you know, guys. Like, and that's with David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones getting paid and not playing, right? And Aaron so, Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. So yeah, I mean, don't let me pump the brakes. Like you guys should be excited. This yeah. is great. This is exactly what we wanted, you know, in the second half of the season. Like this is, if you're envisioning a, a transition of power at the quarterback position, right? We all knew he was a young quarterback. He's going to go through some bumps and bruises and stuff. And that's not to say all of those are over, but the fact that like we have this proof of concept, this couple weeks stretch where you know he's playing like, I mean, frankly, what is it? Uh, I looked up his uh, ANYA, which is just a net yards per attempt. If you want to uh, get the nitty gritty of this, think of passing yards per play, right? But it includes sacks and sack yardage. It treats touchdowns like a 20, 20 point bonus or 20 yard bonus and interceptions like a 25 yard penalty. And that stat, Jordan Love ranks fourth in the NFL over the last five weeks. And the only guys ahead of him are like Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, and CJ Stroud, who are all in like the MVP conversation. So 
get hype. Like, there's yeah. no reason not to be excited, guys. Like, this is exactly what we wanted. Should we play the game? I didn't sure. I didn't prep you for this at all. Let's play the game. Let's do it. Who are Jordan Love? Oh, I so I'm not a Tua guy, and I will forever go down swinging of like that is cannot be repeated. That cannot be repeated. And maybe Michael Penix, the kid, the kid out of Washington, is um, going to be an interesting data point um, before Tua gets you know the big money deal and the big cap hits and stuff like that. I don't know if you can do it without Mike McDaniel. I don't yeah. know if you can do it without Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle being your number one and two wide receivers. Penix is about as close as we're ever going to get to Tua as a prospect, um, and he's coming in the draft next year. So I, I don't think that he's necessarily going to pan out, and I, I don't know what Tua is going to look like on a big-time contract. So, no, I'm, I'm going no on Tua. He's more of a product of his environment, and I will fall on that sword if I'm wrong in three years. All right. Josh Allen or Jordan Love? Ooh, I'm taking Josh Allen. Um, yeah, same. Still a very good quarterback. I'm not betting against that. I mean, if we're talking about – I mean, Josh Allen basically showed what Jordan Love was able to show, plus probably a little bit more over a longer period of time. So, Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love? Gudorig made that decision, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Let's go Love. Let's go Love. Rodgers is going off considering – Considering contract, age, everything else. If you're like, well, we'll do this as if you're like starting a franchise tomorrow of like, which one would you rather have? So I think that has to be love inherently at this point. I feel like I'm just, I'm going love no matter what. That's my quarterback. And All right. I, you fight on that hill. The, uh, the poo poo platter of quarterbacks in New England or Jordan Love. Oh, Jordan Love. He's Jordan Love. All right. Uh, let's go Ravens. You want Lamar Jackson or I Jordan Lamar. Love? I want Lamar. Okay. I do. We're going to take Jordan Love over Kenny Pickett. Uh, Deshaun Watson over uh, Deshaun Watson or Jordan Love? I think I'm taking Love at this point. Uh, Watson hasn't played well since what, like 2020? So at least, yeah, it's it's been a hot second. Uh, Joe Burrow, I think we're gonna take Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'm, I'll All take right. Burrow even with the wrist injury. Trevor Lawrence. Ooh, I think I would take Trevor Lawrence. He's playing really good football right now. Um, the Jags have no run game. They basically can't do anything other than drop back pass with Trevor Lawrence. So uh, he, he leads a team. Uh, I, I think so too. Trevor Lawrence. Anthony Richardson. Ooh, I'd go love. That's I'm an interesting one. It that is. is like the first um, one that's kind of made me pause. Richardson looked good when he was playing, but obviously, you know, he was pretty young coming out and he's you know pretty raw, but pretty toolsy. I'm going to go love just because I've seen more of it, but I'd like a TBD there. I, I I'm with you a million percent. I'll take love as well, but there'd be like a little bit of anxiousness of like, that I just pass on something really, really special, but I'm still going. Yeah. Back. It's like, is he going to be Josh Allen in like a year and a half? I don't know. I know like, or better. Yeah. Um, CJ Stroud. I think we're taking. Yeah. I think I'm taking Stroud. I haven't seen as much of him as I probably need to, to make that decision, but um, I'm, I'll just say Stroud. I'm going to take Stroud as well. I think we're going to take love over any Tennessee Titans quarterback. Absolutely. We're going to take Patrick Mahomes. We're, I'm assuming, yeah. going to take Justin Herbert. Yes. I, All right. Uh, Russell sure Wilson. Russell Wilson. Ooh, I think I'd take Love over Russell Wilson. I mean, Love can throw over the middle, right? So larger Still contract, a lot older. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go Jordan Love as well. Uh, Raiders quarterbacks, however you want to go in that direction. No. Yeah. Taking Jordan Love. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Here's where we get in trouble. Here's where we uh -oh. get in trouble, uh -oh. Andy. Uh oh. I... Okay. Hurts is another. Do I need one. to save you from yourself? Do I need to save you from yourself? No. Throw me into the fire. Because, like, Hurts is another guy like two to me where I'm like, this is not a situation that you can repeat, right? He's got the best offensive line in football, um, maybe second best behind the Lions. That's it. That's the entire conversation is those two. Um, he's got all these wide receivers to throw, throw to, right? Devonta Smith, um, AJ Brown. They got Goddard at tight end. I know he's banged up right now. They got a good defense, all that stuff. I just, I think if you switch their positions, like who looks better, Jalen Hurts in Green Bay or Jordan Love in Philadelphia, I think you take Love there. I know this is recency bias and Packers bias and all that stuff, but I think you take Love. Interesting. I'm going to go Jalen Hurts. I'm going to disagree with you on that one, but I understand the conversation. Dak Prescott or Jordan Love? I, I take Dak. I am like, 
I think I'm the biggest Dak fan outside of Dallas, and maybe I would be the number one Dak fan in Dallas. Um, <laughs> I think he's he's really good. Like, there's no difference between him and Joe Burrow to me. Like, in terms of them in the passing game, I think they command a whole lot at the line of scrimmage. Dak Prescott came into the league, you know, just being able to like live in empty. Like, that's not something guys that young do. I think he's gonna have <clears throat> no, like he's not gonna be like. Manning Brady in terms of like what he's able to do as like a field general on the field, just because that came with so many wins. Right. Yeah. And like, he's already behind the eight ball there, but he's going to be a really respected quarterback when we look back on it. And we're going to be like, wow, Cowboys fans were so ungrateful. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a really good quarterback. I would take Dak as well. Uh, I'm assuming we can go uh, love over Daniel Jones and Sam Howell and the rest of that division. Absolutely. All right. Jared Goff. Yeah, I'm taking I'm not love. Taking Jerry. Yeah, I'm, I'm Kirk Cousins. Love. We taking Jordan Love again there. Yes. Yeah. Me I've too. just seen not not Kirk fold too much in big spots, but like his inconsistency where you're like, how come some drives you look like Tom Brady, and then sometimes it's just like you, it yeah, looks like you've never seen quick game before. You look like a high school quarterback. What the hell is going on? Yeah. And I just think age and contract play a role and, and recent yeah. Achilles injury as well. So I'm going love there as well. We're taking love over Justin Fields, uh, love over Desmond Ritter, love over Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, love yeah. over any Saints quarterbacks, love over That's Bryce Young, I'm assuming. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. a big uh, Bryce Young guy. Not me. I Bryce Young, but to be fair, I did. Also, I did. Bryce have, Young isn't a very big Bryce Young guy. Hey. I, I, my two big quarterbacks. That's fair. My two quarterbacks in that draft were Stroud and Richardson, so I feel good about that. I did like Bryce Young, but I like the other two a little bit more. Uh, Brock Purdy or Jordan Love? Hey, friends. I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found Game Time. Game Time is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code PACKADAY. Download GameTime today, last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making prize picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I'm going to do it again. This is this is the third one. It's it's Purdy, it's Tua, and it's Hurts. It Those are the three quarterbacks where I'm like, your supporting cast is so good and 
everything we've been taught to take from the quarterback position is that like, yes, accuracy matters, throwing in time matters, like all that stuff, but you have to have a certain level of arm strength or mobility or something like that, like that X factor to be able to win at a high level. And, you know, when, when the, those other things start to corrode as they do, because, you know, we have a draft, we have a salary cap system. That's when those quarterbacks get exposed. So I am not a Purdy guy. I would go love. And I know that looks extremely stupid right now with Purdy. I think he's like the MVP favorite or something like that. I mean, yeah, man, like you give love Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and, you know, George Maybe Kittle and all those. Ayuk. Ayuk's the fourth guy I name. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. You would be number one in Green Bay probably what, right away? Right. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Stafford. That is an interesting one. Stafford and Gino are probably the closest comparisons, I think, to what Love's game is like right now. Um, I would uh, give me one game or like one season. I would probably say Stafford. Anything beyond that, I would probably say Love. But that's yeah. a, that's about as on the tee as as you're gonna get. And then you taking Love over Gino. Yeah, I think I would take him over Gino. Um, he's right there, like right, right after Stafford, right ahead of of Gino. That's that's where I would rank Love right now. And I, yeah, I would probably go Love, just age, contract, things like that at the moment over those. But it's, it, I agree with you, it's close. All right, last one. Uh, actually, I might have a couple more, but Kyler Murray or Jordan Love, where are you going? I think I'm going Kyler. I haven't seen him enough this season to know if he's back or not, but. He's just so dynamic of a passer in terms of just the arm angles and stuff like that and his mobility. I, I think I would take him um, just off of pure talent and hoping that eventually the the Cliff Kingsbury will rub off of him. Interesting. I'm going Jordan on that one, but that he's I definitely am with you. I need to see a little bit more Kyler to make a, a educated decision on that. But I don't know. I've never been a huge Kyler guy, but he's obviously extremely dynamic. And we'll see if they can kind of get things going in Arizona. All right, last but not least, Jordan Love or the number one pick in the draft next year? Um, I think I would take Love because you know what you have at this point, right? Um, Caleb is a guy that I don't know if he's even going to be the number one pick. Like, by the time, like, there's so much, like, your personality and stuff matters, right? And we, I I, I think he's. He might end up getting dinged for that. Jordan Love is a guy that, you know, we talked about all the confidence and stuff like that. Like, I think he's going to ace that. Drake May didn't have the best season this past year. I understand, you know, he had limited weapons and stuff around him. Um, There's not another quarterback that I would even remotely have that conversation with Jordan Love than the top two guys. So, I think I would go Love. I wouldn't be surprised if Caleb Williams ends up coming in and, you know, setting the world on fire and all that stuff. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, like, they were like, you know, his makeup didn't lead to him panning out. You know what I mean? So we'll see what happens there. So here's where we end up at least somewhere in, like, the conversation, one way or the other. Tua, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to skip Anthony Richardson for now. Uh, CJ Stroud, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott. Uh, holy cow, then there's a lot of nothing. And then maybe Brock Birdie, maybe Stafford, maybe Kyler Murray. Somewhere in that, like all of a sudden we're like 13, 13, 14 range. And again, you could move yeah. it up three or four somewhere in there. You can move it down a few, but he's moving up little by little. That was a impromptu uh, fun little uh, exercise that we did not have planned, but I wanted to go through. Because like he's playing phenomenal football. And I'm, I'm so excited to see how this continues moving forward. Is there anything that you've noticed from him outside of just a confidence, a swagger, a whatever that like, he's all of a sudden clicking at the level he's clicking at. So like him sticking in the pocket, I think is a real like big deal difference. Um, The protection holding up obviously, you know, contributes to that a little bit, but like the touchdown he threw over the middle in that game. Yep. I was not expecting him to keep his eyes up, right? Um, and that's a that's a play. I think the first month of the season he doesn't end up making, make right? It, yeah. At least, um, how how many times did we see him 
early on in the season get just a little bit of pressure and everything is off of his back foot or he starts to move and stuff like that. The fact that he's actually like stepping up in the pocket now, like he wasn't doing that guys. And now that that's available, like look out, we could run drop back pass game. Like everything doesn't have to be off of play action. Everything doesn't have to be based off of run, run look. Everything doesn't need, you know, chips on the edge, stuff like that. So that's where I'm seeing the, the, biggest progress from his end right obviously the wide receivers and all that stuff and the usage and the scheme and matt putting guys in positions where um they're best utilized i think all of that stuff is improving too but from love's perspective i think just hanging out in the pocket is a big deal and that's something that he did well in the preseason when we were all excited about him and why i kind of started those like geno comps and stuff like that's one of the best things that geno does um so yeah for those of you, by the way, who are thinking that it might be disrespectful of like Geno's, like Geno's played extremely good football over the past couple of seasons. I know like, Seahawks fans are being dummies and calling for Drew Locke and all that stuff, but like Geno's, Geno's a good quarterback. Don't get that yeah. mistaken. He's played very well these past couple of seasons. I wanted to talk about a couple of the young weapons. I know we've obviously beaten the Dontavian Wicks drum to death, but I thought he had another impressive performance. Christian Watson had one of his best games of the year before, unfortunately, going down with. Another injury, which really sucks. I thought there was some sneaky good stuff from both Ben Sims and Tucker Craft. Sims more as a blocker, but like just fun stuff. And then Craft, we're starting to see just get integrated in the offense even more in a very like traditional tight end role. I just think like, again, we, we talked about this over the past couple of weeks, but it feels like they're getting a much better feel for how to use a lot of these weapons and just kind of utilize their skill sets to the best of what they do best, for lack of a better term. The jet end around was when I knew they ha- they have defenses by the string now, right? Where they're like, you think you know it's coming, and we got something built off of it, right? Like, yeah. you know Jaden Reed is going to get touches out of the backfield, and we have counters to that thing. Um, obviously, like, the, the goal line stuff where they're out there with, what was it, two tight ends, a fullback, and an Royce offensive Newman. lineman. Yeah. Royce Newman, yeah. An offensive lineman, they run two routes. They're both butt naked wide open, like – they're they're doing a real good job in terms of the scheme and putting guys in the right positions and stuff. And it's hard not to get excited about these guys. I still don't know like what their best three at wide receiver looks like moving forward. Like I still kind of think you want Wicks and Jaden Reed on the field first and then the upside of, of Watson. So like, where does that leave Romeo Dobbs? Right. Um, I think those questions will probably solve themselves, you know, as they, these guys play out their rookie contracts and we start seeing like who takes to development and who, who makes those extra couple steps and stuff like that. Um, tight end craft. Like he's, I, I thought craft was going to be a little bit more involved, honestly, when they came yeah. in. And then obviously once camp started and it looked like they were just clearing the roads for Musgrave to get every opportunity possible, you know, it, it kind of made sense for them to just develop a one rookie tight end instead of two. Um, but I'm not surprised at all that, you know, basically the moment he was able to step on a f- football field and get featured that he looks the part of an NFL player. Like that, that guy was really good at South Dakota state. Um, they, they made the right decision. I mean, this is going to be one of the best one, two tight end pairings in the NFL for a long time. One, two, three. Get Ben Sims True. in that conversation as well. Undrafted uh, agent Ben Sims, which so interesting to me that like so like that was a guy who got picked up off of waivers at at uh, cut down deadline, and he Thank was a guy who, yeah, and he was also brought in as a pre draft visit. The Packers have had yeah. their eyes on Ben Sims for a long time, and it's interesting to see one of these guys end up panning out for them. That you know they've been keeping tabs, and they you know as long as these guys stick around in the league, like they're going to keep their, their eyes open. And if, you know, uh, Tyler Davis goes down, that opens up an opportunity for him. I'm excited about him. Um, and I'm excited about all these tight ends. Uh, this is another one. I'm going to go off script and just ask you randomly. Is there any player that you are nervous that when they come back, they're going to fill in for the players that have been playing well in their place. And it might actually be worse. Like some examples of this could be Jair comes back and the secondary doesn't play as well. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but like yeah. Luke Musgrave comes back and the offense doesn't, you know, function to the same ability. Is there like, I don't think Aaron Jones is going to be in that conversation, but it's like, is there anyone, I was a little bit worried on some of like the safety stuff, just kind of how the safeties were playing for a couple of weeks, but I don't know. There's just like, there's this weird feeling that I have of like, 
did they stumble upon something good and now is like getting all these players back and ingrained? Could it almost like make them take a step back? The only guy I think is a real candidate is Stokes. Um, And that's not a knock on Stokes, but he's had a lot of injuries over the last year. Right. Yeah. And I think Carrington Valentine is a really solid football player. Now that that's assuming that, uh, you know, Jair comes back too, right? Like I'm not saying Stokes isn't going to be, an upgrade over um, Corey Ballantyne. Like I, Ballantyne got got a couple times in Kansas City or against Kansas City when, you know, he was asked to do man to man type of stuff. Um, I don't think he's a starting caliber NFL quarterback, cornerback, but I think Valentine might be able to be. So maybe that's one. But outside of that, I mean, we've seen it at inside linebacker, right? Um, I, I don't think McDuffie is a guy you want starting on the interior defensive line there hasn't really been those injuries. Like maybe if we saw a stretch where like Carl Brooks looked like really, really good as a full-time starter. And then, you know, one of these other guys come back off the bench, like that might've been a situation too. Um, Wide receiver, I think for the most part. Yeah. I mean, outside of corner and maybe the interior defensive line with like Carl Brooks, I think for the most part, if you look at the Packers depth chart, they have the right guys playing now. Yeah. The only one, that I have some pause on and it's not like the overall, like, like the overall will get better is if you have Jair and Carrington starting at corner together, I'm a little bit worried about the run defense at the corner position in totality because Valentine is not a good tackler and is not super aggressive in run defense. Jair, especially coming off another shoulder injury. I have a feeling is not going to be super excited about playing super aggressive in run defense and was not earlier this year already. That's like the only small thing that I have on the, like that I'm like a little bit worried of like, and do they maybe just go Ballantyne and, and Jair on early downs or oh, they'll have some options, but I'm just a little bit intrigued on that part of it. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting and it. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of a real problem. Like, I, I don't know if you guys remember um, KB and Ento, right? No, yeah. But Ento is kind of, in terms of coverage skills, very similar to what Carrington Valentine brings to the table. Yep. The difference is Ento was like an F minus in terms of uh, what he could do in run defense, right? And, he, you know, wide receiver convert, like you can get all to, into all of the tropes there, right? Um, Valentine is like a D plus probably, like it's passable at the NFL yep. level, but like, you know, still a little bit of a liability. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that could be a legitimate thing. I just don't know how you really protect your corners that much at this point in the NFL when everything is getting t- condensed, the wide receivers are cracking safeties. Like a lot of people are leaving cornerbacks uncovered. Yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do anything different or if they just, if everyone's healthy, it's just going to be Carrington, Nixon, and Jair, and they're just going to roll with it and see what happens. But just and that could be a really on. good unit. I mean, that might be a really oh. good unit. Like, Especially from a pass coverage standpoint, I think it can be right. as well. No, no question. Um, what did you think of Savage and Owens getting the start at safety? Uh, wasn't too surprised once I figured out, like, you know, they were going to use Ford as the dime back, and that's kind of like their designated, like, guy coming off an injury type of situation. Like, even when uh, Savage missed part of the game, right? They brought in Anthony Johnson Jr. instead yep. of Ford. Like, Ford was just clearly on a pitch count. So I'm not surprised that. Savage was ahead of, um, you know, Anthony Johnson Jr. on the depth chart, or, you know, Owens was ahead of Anthony Johnson Jr. on the depth chart. That's kind of how this whole thing has been working this entire season. Um, and once it was clear that Ford was on a pitch count, I was like, oh, okay, this is just what they're doing. They're playing him on special teams. He's going to get a couple dime looks. We'll see in like two weeks. Yeah, good point. I didn't think of it that way, but that makes a ton of sense, especially when you say, once the uh, the Savage injury hit and they put Anthony Johnson Jr. in and kept Ford in that role, that, that does make a lot of sense. And we'll see if that changes over the course of the next few weeks and if he ultimately gets more playing time. All right, Andres Carlson, probably his biggest day. I don't know if it's like his – probably his best day too, but those were clutch kicks in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You got to figure that like that gives him a massive amount of confidence moving forward. Right, and he's not going to be perfect moving forward either, right? Like we've yep. seen – a little bit of the shakiness, you know, from a young kicker already, but like the returns are good. And well, I mean, what's, what more is there to say? Like he, na- he nailed it when we needed him, man. Like I was, I was holding my breath, staring at the screen, you know, <laughs> for that was. last kick too. So that, that stadium had 
a lot of clenched butts in seats. Like you could tell like there, there was not a ton of anything going on at that moment. Cause it just is a huge game changer. If he makes his or makes right. or misses that kick, like the difference between up eight kicking off and up five at like the 40 yard line is whew, uh, a huge, huge difference in that game. So massively clutch from him. And hopefully, like you said, there's going to still be hiccups, but hopefully a great sign for him. Were, were you at the game? Was, was there that much wind? Cause I know on that kick, you know, the flags on top of the goalposts were just laying down. Was was there much wind at the game? I was in the press box. So I was, you know, in non-windy conditions, regardless, um, eating cheese curds. Uh, so I was very lucky in that regards, but it didn't seem overly windy, but um, yeah, it, it didn't seem massively windy. But like you said, it, the, the flags were definitely moving. And sometimes that stadium's weird with how the wind works, where it's like, it doesn't seem like it's windy at all, but on the field it's spiraling. And there's other times where the flag is like just beating across up on the top of the stadium and like down in the field, like the flags are just like limp. It's just, it's a weirdo stadium when it comes to that stuff, which I'm sure like Anders is learning like as he goes as to like how some of that stuff goes into it. And so far so good, right. especially in a key situation. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, kicking in that situation or let alone punting where you know you're going to have to get a whole lot of depth and you're like, I I don't know what's above me, right? Like, that's got to no, be crazy. Sure. Yeah, no question about it. And, yeah, he had a nice game overall. I thought kickoffs, everything, like, just hopefully that can be a little bit more steady moving forward, but that has to give him confidence. All right, last but not least, Packers, Giants. Giants have extended rest going into this game, had a bye week, and now it's a Monday night game, so they're going to be extremely well-rested. Um, Packers open as six point favorites on the road in New York against a team they lost to just a season ago. Thoughts on this game as we start moving ahead to this upcoming schedule and remaining games. I think this is a very bad football team. I think the Packers are going to win. I don't think Tommy DeVito is long for the NFL. Um, I think Wink Martindale's blitz heavy scheme isn't going to catch this team by surprise, right? Yeah. I mean, you're coming off of a game against Spags. You've already played Flores, right, in in Minnesota. Um, Spags is the Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator. Wink Martindale's the D.C. with the Giants. He was with Baltimore Ravens for a long time. Um, I don't think they're going to catch him by surprise, and I don't think they're more talented than Green Bay. And I think Green Bay has been a whole lot more consistent, particularly in the passing game, than the Giants this season. So I'm – I'm all over Green Bay. I know they were only like a three-point or a six-point favorite. Um, already put some money down on that. Uh, feel pretty confident going into this one. Now, maybe that's you know, famous last words. Blame me for the jinx, all that stuff. But that's how I'm feeling. There's no question to me that Green Bay is the better team in this game. There's just not much on New York that scares you like at all. Um, you see the Dexter their running backs. Their running backs coach right now is taking an interview to be the OC at Syracuse. Like these guys are already looking for new jobs, new jobs. and everyone okay. in college football is trying to get into the NFL. And you have an NFL yeah. guy being like, see a piece. I'm going to call it like in season. Yeah. Like, that's so not a great so sign, but um, I don't know what you know, Morrell is like in New York at this point. Well, there's been the rumors too, that Martindale and uh, um, uh, what's his face. Dable are not on the same page. Um, there's been some, some angst there. Like it has not gone well. They did L you know, or activate uh, Tyrod Taylor off of IR. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to make it in time or if it's just opening the window and it's still going to be a few weeks. We'll have to kind of keep an eye on that. Dexter Lawrence has been a little bit beat up along the defensive line. Kayvon Thibodeau has been hit and miss here and there. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's very, just not a whole lot. That very streaky. Like they have some, um, dang, I'm spacing on his name, the corner from Maryland. Uh, he's yeah, pretty, uh, Banks. Deontay yeah, Banks. Banks is a pretty good player. Yep. Um, but outside of that, like, there's not that many silver lines for this Giants team. Their record is actually better than their team probably is at this point. I agree. That's not a good football team. That That's a team that, you know, if you run simulations, you know, over and over again, they they probably end up with the first overall pick a good, a good amount of time. Like, that, they're not as good as their record right now. They had – you know, two fewer losses before their last two games, which was a win against the commanders who are also a extremely bad football team coming off of the trade deadline where Washington they fired started. their defensive coordinator immediately. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So that's not been going great. And then they beat the 
New England Patriots, who might it's like right in the conversation with the the Panthers as worst team in football. They beat them ten to seven in that game. Earlier, they beat Arizona thirty one to twenty eight in week two when Arizona was not a real team at that point and certainly didn't have Kyler Murray. Their other win also against Washington fourteen to seven at home. So their four wins are about as bad as you could possibly get. Um, they did beat the Jets. No, I lied. I lied. They lost to the Jets, thirteen to ten. So they even lost to the Jets, thirteen to ten in overtime. So, yeah, not not great. I like Green Bay. I'm a Pats fan right now. You you've lost two games in a row by a combined score of thirteen to seven, thirteen to six, something like that. So it needs to be Malik Cunningham time in New England. Just let him run around, do something. Like give me something to like watch, if nothing else. I mean, Bill Belichick might as well be a Giant or a Charger at this point, right? Like he's. He's got to be checked out. There's no way. Yeah, that that whole organization needs a, a reboot, a reload, a refresh, and every other word that you could possibly put in there. I'm with you. I like Green Bay, and this one, the only thing that scares me is is Green Bay. Like, it, like they yep. just can't have like the confidence and um, like, all right, we're gonna win this one easy. We've, we're coming off bigger wins, and like as long as they come focused, like they did these past couple weeks, it's game over. But they just have to take care of their own business. Yep, and again. You know, they got easiest strength of schedule moving forward. The the five teams that they play combined have a uh, 0.333 win percentage, right? 20 so, and 40. 20 and 40. Yeah, so they're they're losing um, two of every three games that they play. And these teams have played each other too, by the yeah. way. The only team at or above 500 on their schedule is the 500 Minnesota Vikings with a backup quarterback and Josh Dobbs. Um all they got to do is go three and two in this stretch, and they're in a pretty good spot. Not a surefire lock, but a pretty good spot to make the playoffs. If they go four and one, they're in. They're in. That's, yep. that's how it works. No, I'm right there with you. Just it's going to be fun. We've got a really fun remainder of the season, which at one point I wasn't sure what we were going to be discussing coming off of these <laughs> three games and like what what we'd be talking about if it was just like, all right, well, every young player needs to play. Let's see what practice squad guys they can sign off of other rosters. Like I think that could have been the discussion. I'm so glad it's not. And I'm so glad we're talking about this stuff instead. Final thoughts. Uh, anything else you want to get off your chest? Anything you want to throw at me since I threw like 10 random things at you? Is Joe Barry safe? Yeah, I think so. I think so um, too. I mean, this, the season's like not, complete in the fact that like if you screw up massively in these five games against these five teams then like weird stuff can still happen right because, it would have like, to be like national headline mistakes yeah, bad. yes like, like it would you, have to be the narrative of the nfl that week of how bad you messed up basically big time like it would almost like i feel like it almost has to be like you beat new york and like you're just like a shoe in for the playoffs and then you lose your final four and everything just breaks down and the defense can't stop the Panthers. It can't stop Tampa Bay. It's just like, it can't stop Chicago. It's just like this massive choke job at the end. Yeah. We're not even speaking it into existence justice. I think, I think it might think, even like you, it, it might even have to involve players at this point, yeah. right? Like being vocal about, you know, the job so. and stuff. So I can, I, yeah, I, I think, I think Barry's back. He did it. He did it again. <laughs> He's, you give him credit. If nothing else, he is resilient and he finds ways to stick around. And I, I, I think these past few games, while still having insane moments where you just want to like, again, I, I've said this before, but like just put your head through a wall and like, be like, what the heck is going on? Like the results over the past few weeks, we couldn't get a kickoff team or a field goal team off the sideline fast enough. At one point, you remember that that was against uh, Atlanta. Oh Yeah. Like don't remind me. So many dumb things that like are no longer happening. And it's like, okay, we can finally evaluate this team and it actually looks half decent. Nice. It is. And like it's it's so crazy. The like I get sometimes just getting a win in the win column, which is definitely what they needed against the Rams, and just to like get some level of confidence and stuff going in the right direction. But like, holy crap. Like the it, it seems silly in hindsight. And I think some people will be like, Oh, you're just prisoner of the moment of like you know, we're, we're, when we're questioning LaFleur of like, is this, is this, can he be the guy that takes a young team and kind of brings them up and, you know, brings them to the next level and those sort of things. But like you watch the stuff that was happening early in the season and you would question anything that was involved at that point. Like, you're like, 
what what is possibly going on here? Are they practicing? Like there'd be plays. There's the two point play against the Saints, right? Like that they needed to win the game, and it's supposed to be a motion where Reed comes in motion and right. then zooms out in the flat to hit him easy in the flat, and the snap bait like comes this close to hitting him. He's supposed to be like way out there, and the snap almost hits him. Like there's stuff that should not happen. And as you pointed out in numerous times, like is not normal in the NFL that's going Jordan on. Love taking the sneak that never came. Oh my God. Like ever in there the NFL, like the first, like, like what, eight weeks of the season um, or what, two and five, I guess. So like seven weeks. Yeah. And then like, now it looks like this. Now they're beating like some of the best teams in the NFL and outplaying them for four quarters and never trailing for a second. Some of it doesn't compute. Like I, I would not have believed you. I would have called you crazy if you predicted this in any way. Um, but I'm certainly happy that it is this way. That's what uh, Tex and I said last night. We were like, if we would have predicted this, we would have sounded dumb while we were doing it. Right? Oh, like, yeah. If you would have said you're this, what it you're just like. a dumb homer. That's just like, yeah. you've got rose tinted glasses and all you can see are the positives. Like be real, be realistic for once. Like, no, you would have gotten like completely you know, ostracized and be like, this is a guy that covers the Packers and you're going to go three and oh, after going, you know, what two and six or three and six or yeah, three and six, they're going to now go three and oh against the, the chargers, the, the lions and the chiefs. Like, yeah. Okay, bud. Like, yeah, you would have been, everyone would have called you insane. You would have been insane. Yeah. Except you would have been right somehow. <laughs> Justice, amazing stuff. Where can we find all of your great work? At Jew Mosk on Twitter, J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can find all their stuff at acmepackingcompany.com. Um, tune into our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. I do the uh, – well, this turns into our Tuesday show on our feed. The Monday show is usually the recap um, that we have uh, with Evan Tex Western. And then on Fridays, I preview with a fan of – the the team that the Packers are going to face. So like this week, it'll be Keegan Abdu, my buddy from Next Gen Stats, who's a New York Giants fan. So you can listen to all that stuff on the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. Make sure to check that all out. It's always amazing work. Acme Packing Company as a whole is absolutely incredible. Um, so make sure you're checking out their site daily. You can find the Packaday podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. You can follow at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. Again, you can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. For justice, for me, that's going to do it for us today. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.